Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Carry us along, Jesus. Quicken our minds in Jesus' name. Lord, anoint me, God, in Jesus' name. For your glory, for your purpose. Let this not just be a teaching. Let this be a life change for every one of us tonight, God. We love you, God. You're so good to us. We ask you to help us again tonight. Bring us into a fuller expression. Bring us into a deeper level of relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture in Jeremiah 31, 31. Put a little heading out that says, New covenant equals knowing God, comma, law on our hearts. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says Yahweh. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahweh. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother say, Know Yahweh, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Now he says, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to form a new covenant, not like the old one. The old one was instituted at the hands of angels. He told Moses, Behold, I send my angel ahead of you, and be careful to obey, because he will not forgive your sins, nor blot out your transgressions. But now, he's going to do something different. No longer is God's contact with man, his relationship with man, going to be mediated. He's going to come into direct relationship like he has not in the past. Knowing God is going to be the big difference. We know that Jesus says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. Not this is the formula to achieve it. This is the pathway that arrives at it. He says, this is it. Knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. We know that that word is gnosko, which is what the Septuagint used to translate yada. Amen? This is a relational knowledge. This is a relationship. So he says this is eternal life to have a relationship with God. Write, write down some of these scriptures next to, the, next to knowing God. John 17.3 1 John 2.27 1 John 2.27 really fulfills Jeremiah 31, doesn't it? Jeremiah 31 said, No longer will each man teach his neighbor saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. And what does 1 John 2.27 say? You have no need for any man to teach you, for the anointing will teach you all things. Do you understand? The anointing is the difference. The anointing is the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. Amen? John is teaching them that they don't have need for a teacher. And there's something a little ironic about that. He didn't say 
they don't have need for human involvement, the gifts of God in human form. Amen? He didn't say that. He said you don't have any need for human teaching, for man's wisdom, for man's teaching. But if John is bringing something by the anointing, well, they definitely have need of that. And that's what's going to teach them. That's what's going to instruct them. Amen? They will all know me. Isaiah 11.9. Isaiah 54.13. Jeremiah 24.7. John 6.45. 1 John 2 and 20. Isaiah, speaking of the same sort of new knowledge, in Isaiah 28.9 says, To whom will he teach knowledge? This new kind of relational knowledge. And to whom will he make to understand the message? What is the message? It's the gospel. Amen? So Isaiah in the 28th chapter is saying, Who's going to get this? What kind of people is going to get this? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. He's going to give them knowledge. He's going to make them to know knowledge. But it's not going to be a lot of head knowledge from the tree of knowledge. It's going to be with stammering lips and another tongue that he's going to speak to this people. It's going to be taking them out of those old ways of knowing and inviting them into a relationship where even to enter, they must give up all that analysis that has been the source of pride, the knowledge that puffs up. Amen? With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. Amen. And that gives us a little insight into Hebrews, doesn't it? When Hebrews talks about the Sabbath and the resting from our works, giving a little insight into Paul and his work-bashing language. Amen? There, is, there are works that are no good, that are useless now. All those works that were okay under the old covenant, they're not going to be sufficient anymore. But there is a work that does not originate in us, and that is not fulfilled by us. It is the works which God has prepared before the foundation of the, of the world for us to fulfill. Amen? Jesus would say, when you're called before rulers and kings and princes, do not worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. For in that very hour, the Spirit of my Father will give you what to say and how to say it. And it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit will be speaking through you what you should say. Again, we hear a paradox, don't we? He says you won't be saying anything, but then he says the Spirit will be giving you what you should say. Amen. Well, here's a perfect example. In one sense, we can say with Jesus, it is not us who's saying it. And so it is with all the works of God. They are not human works. They are not works that we may boast in. They have nothing to do with us or our power or our ability. With Jesus, we're supposed to be speaking only what we hear the Father speak and doing the works which He 
has ordained for us to accomplish. Amen? But in another sense, we are going to be doing things. We are going to be players in this, but only as surrendered vessels to a power outside of ourselves, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. So again, John can teach. Don't, don't let any man teach you. Amen? You with me so far? All right. So this is the rest. When this new knowledge comes with stammering lips and an unknown tongue, this is the Sabbath, of which the former Sabbath was just a type and shadow. But this is the real rest. When you get beyond human efforts and human limitations, and you come into a place where the Holy Ghost can begin to pour through you to accomplish things that you cannot accomplish on your, on your own. Amen? So with John, we can say, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. So just to recap, there's going to be a new covenant. It's going to be new because it's going to make us know God in a relational way, and it's going to put his law on our hearts. This knowledge, Isaiah shows us, is going to culminate in stammering lips and another tongue. Amen. And that's the rest, where we cease from our works and enter into the works of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This, this new law that's written on our hearts is not the old law of Moses handed down by angels. But this is what Paul in Romans 8.2 called the law of the Spirit. Amen. In Romans 8.1, he says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If we're walking according to the flesh, then the works we do are human works. But if we're walking according to the Spirit, it is not you speaking, but the Spirit in you. Amen? You with me? Amen. So he says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that's the law that gets written on our hearts. Joel 2.28 And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The Apostle Peter told us when those days were fulfilled, didn't he? Amen. This hadn't happened prior. This was a new thing entirely. Amen. You say, well, weren't people in the Old Testament filled with the spirit? Well, yeah, situationally. But they weren't reconstituted. You know what reconstituted means? Okay, if you have a piece of jerky, it's as tough as boot leather. At least the stuff that's not made right. It's really tough and dry. But when you reconstitute it, you boil it in water, and it puffs up, and it becomes a completely different thing. You don't say, this is, this is jerky got wet. You say, this is something completely different. Do you understand? It's no longer... The reconstitution, when the water permeates all of the fibers of that, that, that meat. And it just becomes something completely different. Do you understand? So reconstitution is not just an issue of visitation or contact. It is an issue of transformation, regeneration, and reconstitution. Your substance becomes different. You look different. You feel different. You 
acts different. Everything about you is a different thing than before. Do you understand? So in the Old Testament, they were still jerky, okay? And they felt the Spirit of God, and God used them. And in moments and in circumstances, they were filled, but they weren't reconstituted. He didn't take up permanent abode, and He didn't make permanent transformation of their nature. Do you understand? They still had the Adamic nature ruling and reigning in their lives. It was just subject to external constraints and barriers. But in their hearts, sin was their motivation. Amen? But when the Spirit comes, when it truly takes over someone's life, it doesn't just assert boundary lines. It changes their nature. It changes their desire. It changes where they want to be. It changes the way they talk, the way they look. It changes the power that they have. It changes them. Now, of course, they can go back into the dehydrator of this world and all its unbelief and begin to change back into whatever they were in the first place. But it's a reconstitution. And this had never happened with anybody. Amen? Nobody had ever been born of the Spirit. Nobody had ever been born like Jesus said we must be in order to enter the kingdom of God. Okay? Matthew 11. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born... Of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He says, those born of women are in contrast with those in the kingdom. Do you understand? By nature, the kingdom is those who are born differently. Now, everybody's born of women. But those in the kingdom have been born a second time. Are you with me so far? So he says, among, those, among all those born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest. But the least in the kingdom is greater than he. What, what, what determines whether we're in the kingdom or not is how we're born. Do you see that? And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So you with me? What's the difference? Being in the kingdom or not is about how you were born. Why don't you put that down next to Matthew eleven eleven? Being in the kingdom or not is about how you were born. Jesus was the first to be born of the Spirit. Write that down. Matthew 1, 20. But while... Joseph thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Was he the first to be born of the Spirit? Yes. Romans eight twenty nine under this same heading. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, he being Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He was the first to be born that way. Amen? But he wasn't the last. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, but the day would come when he would bring many sons to glory. Amen? It was about how they were born. At that point, it was His only begotten Son. Hebrews 1.6 But when He 
again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Amen. Speaking of Jesus. He's the firstborn. Now, there were a lot of people born before Jesus, but Jesus was the first to be born of the Spirit. Okay, so, how do you know you're born again? Well, some will say, just believe on the Lord Jesus. And that's true. If you truly believe, if you truly have faith, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, and you will be born. But just believing in the facts about Jesus is not automatically being born. Does that make sense? Amen. So, okay, it's like saying this. How do you get to the gas station? Well, just drive there. Oh, so that means anytime I'm driving, I'm going to the gas station? Somebody says, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? By faith. Oh, that means anytime I have faith at all, I'm automatically receive the Holy Spirit? No. But faith is how you get there. Faith is how you get it. But faith isn't the end of it. Do you say, I have the Spirit because I have faith? Or do you say, if it was real faith, it would have brought the Holy Spirit? Do you judge the faith by the fruit? Or do you call the faith fruit when none shows up? Do you understand? You say, well, how do I know I have saving faith? Well, if the fruits are there. If the things promised have taken place, then you have saving faith. If you don't, then you need to just keep on trying. Amen. Until you can get to a place of true belief in God. Jesus obviously had this conversation with Nicodemus that becomes pretty central to this whole topic. You remember Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. He was one of the Sanhedrin. He actually stood in the council that later sentenced Jesus to death. And uh, he didn't say anything. He may have gone and helped Joseph Arimathea, but that was a little, a little too little too late, wasn't it? Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he does a little flattery. He says, you know, everybody knows you're from God because nobody can do the things you do unless God is with him. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, let's not talk about me being from God. Let's talk about you. You're never going to make it to heaven. Nicodemus does a little flattery for Jesus and Jesus shakes his head and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you, Nicodemus, must be born again. And Nicodemus kind of, what? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, Unless a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, Huh? Must I enter my mother's womb again? What are you talking about? Amen. And he says, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Only that which is born of spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, so is it with everyone that's born of the spirit. Okay, these are kind of confusing statements, aren't they? But listen, Jesus doesn't tell Nicodemus, unless you're born again, I won't let you enter the kingdom of God. All the Jews who were devout at that time expected that the kingdom of God would be another natural government like that King David, which King David had. Are you with me? Okay, but what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus is the kingdom of God is in a dimension that flesh can't enter. Flesh doesn't even know it's there. It's in a frequency that our carnal ears can't hear. It's in light waves that our carnal eyes cannot see. Do you understand? He's not saying if you don't go through these steps, I won't let you as a carnal man walk through this gate called heaven. He's saying heaven 
And the kingdom of God on earth is a reality and in a dimension that you cannot even know exists. You cannot even perceive unless something happens to you that awakens your senses and transforms you into a son of God. He's not saying, I want you to check this box off. So many of us pursue the Holy Spirit like this. We look at ourselves truly as carnal people. But being good self-centered carnal people, we want to make it to heaven. And so we say, well, in order for me to make it to heaven, I'm going to have to go through all the things that God said I had to go through because, you know, He's kind of the, the master of heaven. So, okay, what do I have to do? Somebody says, repent. Okay, I'll repent. Somebody says, oh, there's something else. You have to be baptized. Okay, I'll be baptized. Okay, uh, what else? You've got to be born again of the Spirit. Okay, I've got to get born again of the Spirit. Okay, let, let, me, let me pursue this rebirth of the Spirit. I'm going to pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. All right, did it happen? Because I want to be good. I, I want to be on good terms with God. God, when He came to earth, invited us out of the reality in which we lived. And He called us into a reality, a dimension that carnal people cannot perceive and can play no part in. And He said, unless something happens to you that awakens a sensibility and a sensitivity to this realm that you haven't even known was there, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus thought that, that was obvious because he said that which is born of flesh is flesh. What he's saying is the kingdom is not fleshly. He says, why do you marvel? You're a, you're a teacher in Israel. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And to Jesus, that was obvious. Paul would later say in 1 Corinthians 15, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you with me? You remember when Jesus was with his disciples right before he lifted off and went into heaven right there on the mount called Olivet. You remember? And right before he left, they said, Lord, is it at this time you will restore the kingdom? And what did Jesus say? He pointed them to an experience. <laughs> because those people couldn't have any kingdom because the kingdom was in a dimension that they didn't even have the, sense, the senses to perceive yet. Am I making sense to anybody? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, why are you marveling? That which is born of flesh is flesh. What he was trying to bring home to Nicodemus is that the kingdom of God is not flesh. It is not in the realm of the flesh. It is not natural. It is in a realm that you don't have the ears for, the eyes for, the mind for. And doesn't that take us to Romans 8, what Paul said about the implacability between the two? Amen. Amen. And again, the, the things of the Spirit are foolishness to the carnal mind. Isn't that what Nicodemus was feeling about Jesus? What are you talking about? Entering my mother's womb again. This is folly. Amen. Are you with me so far? Do we need to take a break or can we finish this? You with me so far? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so he says to Nicodemus something important here. He says... Um, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, the water represents our commitment to keep the natural man under. 
Because if the natural man doesn't stand, or the spiritual man will be overtaken by that weed. Amen? And the sapling, the new sprout will wither and die. Amen? So the baptism, it's part of the birth because without it, the spiritual man doesn't have a chance. But the spiritual, the, the birth of the Spirit, whew, it's the reality. It's when we come alive. It's like the resurrection. But it's a resurrection to a life we've never had before. When we're born of the Spirit, we receive all these senses and we perceive this realm that prior to that we were dead to. We did not even know it existed. And we suddenly, we, we see people differently and we hear words differently and we see nature differently. Those of you who have been born of the Spirit, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. There was a time when they knew even Christ after the flesh. But henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Something has changed. Now we can go back to that jerky, couldn't we? Amen. We can go back and get all dried out in the doubts of the devil, in the dehydrator of the devil's doubts. Amen. But right now, we see, we feel, we perceive, we hear. So he says to him, listen carefully. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. (laughs) Flesh begot flesh, and you have nothing that can get in the kingdom, because the kingdom ain't flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the kingdom's spiritual. So you have to be born of the Spirit in order to even have those senses to perceive. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Oh, yeah, well, of course I shouldn't marvel. The wind blows. What is Jesus trying to say? He says to Nicodemus, he says, Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Does that have any meaning to you? What on earth is he trying to say? He says, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear... The sound of it. Though you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Ta-da! He's just given us a key. You can put a line in your notes now that says, you hear the sound of it. Dash everyone. Amen. Jesus tells Nicodemus, don't marvel about this. You're going to know it. You're going to find it. You're going to discover it when you hear the sound of it. Now that word sound is the word phone. The Greek word phone from which we get telephone. Okay? And it literally means voice. And this word Wind is the word pneuma, which it can be translated two ways. One, spirit, or otherwise, wind. When the wind blows, you hear this. What happens? It, it's moving the leaves, and the leaves make a sound. Did the leaves originate that sound? But the leaves 
can respond to that movement and create a sound in the response. Now, you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. What does that represent? Well, something about this experience of the Spirit, what does this mean? Where is this coming from? Why am I saying this? Where is this voice going? Do you understand? So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. With everyone who is born of the Spirit, you hear the sound of it. Not a sound that they originate. A movement they respond to, and their branches make a sound. Okay, you hear the sound of it. Now, when did this happen? In Acts 1 and 5, he's just told them, it's not for you to know times and seasons. He really kind of punted on their question. He didn't really answer it. He just told them, that they needed to receive the promise. They needed to be born again. Amen? Because frankly, the kingdom of God could come and be around for a thousand years and Peter, James, and John, you'd never even know it was there. Because you're still only born of women. You're still only in the dimension of the flesh. But they have, I have bread to eat that you know not of. Amen? I have food that you don't know anything about. Amen. I have mansions that God is preparing and a kingdom that is coming down from heaven. Amen. And you're going to see great power and wonder and signs. It's going to be real, but it's not going to be received by the natural man. That natural man's got to step out of the way. More than that, he's got to be put in a grave and he's got to be buried in baptism. Amen. In order to pledge yourself into that new and unknown dimension called the realm of the Spirit. So for someone who's born of the Spirit and then goes right back to being a jerk or jerky, however you want to call it, that experience means nothing. It doesn't take them closer to salvation. It doesn't get them in heaven. That experience is not an isolated thing that the carnal man needs to check off his to-do list. That experience is the only medium through which they can relate with this God who to know is eternal life. Amen. Are you with me? So our walk in the Spirit is not about spoken tongues for 50 seconds. That's why I don't like it when people worry about did this happen or did that happen. Let's not talk about what happened past. Let's not talk about what was or what might have been or what we thought did or didn't happen. Let's talk about what is right now. Because that's all that matters. Where the tree falls, there it's going to lie. If you're a carnal man, to be carnally minded is death. Just like he said, to be in relationship with God is eternal life. These are present realities. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. You're already in heavenly places when you can be moved upon and carried and motivated and directed by the power of that Spirit. In Him we live, move, and have our being. Amen. But you're already dead. Maybe twice dead if you've gone backwards. If you are in the realm of the flesh and you cannot hear, you cannot see, you cannot feel, you cannot be moved upon by the dynamics of that other realm. That realm beyond. Amen? Heaven opened up and God Himself spoke. This is my beloved Son 
in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But many only heard boom, 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 thunder. Do you see that they were in a realm? They had no ears for it. They had no eyes for it. They did not see it. Amen. But when you get into the spirit, then you start to perceive Jesus in the faces of your brothers and sisters. Then power is available. Amen. And truth is alive. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, this is eternal life. Amen. Not I did this so that someday in the sweet by and by I can get something called eternal life. This is it. This is where God is God. Amen. I will be their God and they shall be my sons and daughters, Joel said. Now, so they left the mount called Olivet and they went to the upper room, didn't they? They didn't know what they were waiting for, but they were being obedient. What do we call that delay, that waiting without knowing the end, but being obedient? We call that something. You re- we receive the Holy Spirit by... Well, how did they receive it? They were obedient. <laughs> for days, for weeks, they were obedient. They weren't going to go start anything. They weren't going to go do anything until they had been lifted into a realm completely outside their expectations or experience. Hallelujah! So they're in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when everything came together, their preparedness, God's providential timing, everything kind of coincided and came together. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Unity is a great way to go into a new realm. Amen? And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Now, Jesus had said you would hear the sound of it, didn't he? Amen? Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled... Now, did it say suddenly there came a wind from heaven? And it had a sound? Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. He said there came a sound from heaven like or as of a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't a mighty rushing wind. It says as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues like as of fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the wind, as the pneuma gave them utterance. Or you might say, as the wind blew where it wished. You with me so far? All right. It says, And when this sound occurred, (laughs) what do you think that word is, that sound? Phone. When this phone occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was, what was the sound? It was a voice. That's what phone means. When this sound occurred, the crowd was bewildered, came together because they were hearing them speak in other tongues. <laughs> so what's the sound? Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You know not whither it cometh from or whither it goest, but you hear the sound of it. So is it with everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. The crowd's bewildered. They think they're drunk. They get all worried. But Peter stands up and says, Men and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was prophesied by Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I shall pour forth my spirit on all flesh. Amen. And flesh will become more than flesh. Flesh will be filled with spirit. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. And suddenly the kingdom of God will appear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So they listened. They got a lot of conviction. When they realized what had happened, who Jesus was, they're standing there kind of dumbfounded at Peter. And they say, men and brethren, what must we do? They were pierced to the heart. They felt the conviction of what they were accomplices to as far as evil. But they also felt that there was something happening that they were still outside of. Up there on the balcony of that upper room. Amen. Peter, what should we do? What must we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for this promise is for you and it is for your children and it is for all who are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, he solemnly testified saying, Save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. Amen. And that those who received his word with gladness were baptized. And the result was that 3,000 souls were added to their number. Not 3,000 members, 3,000 people made it into heaven. Amen? Heavenly places on earth. We know the story of how Peter, he had been living for God for approximately 15 years. And as of yet, everyone who had become a Christian was a Jew. I want you to think about that. For the first decade and a half, there were no Christians that were not Jews. Christianity was considered a sect of Judaism. Amen. A branch, you might say. Amen? Well, then he's, uh, where was he? At Joppa. I think that's Haifa. Is that Haifa? I don't know. Anyway, he's at Joppa, wherever Joppa is. And uh, he's at Simon the Tanner's house, and he gets tired, and he goes up on the roof to take a nap, and the Lord gives him a vision. And we know the nature of that vision God was saying that what made people clean and unclean is different. Because no longer is it just going to be externals. I can change people from the inside out. I can reconstitute them. (laughs) Amen? So no longer is it going to be about heritage and generations of obedience. But I can actually change who they are. So Gentiles who've been raised in utter debauchery, they can become clean. I'm not just going to declare them clean, even though they're not, but I can make them clean. Amen? In Acts 11:14 through 7, Peter 
tells the story to the other apostles. And he tells us there that the angel had told Cornelius to go find Peter, and Peter would speak words by which he and his household would be saved. Well, so right now Peter's just seeing this vision, but then the door starts getting hammered. And so he goes down there, and he says, I've just heard from God, and I'll go with you. Amen. So he's going to this Gentile's house, and he's going to actually get a lot of flack for this from the Jews, from the other Christians, because this was a step that nobody had taken yet. He goes to the first Gentile's house, and he starts bringing the word about Jesus. (laughs) And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when he's bringing the word of God, there's a lot of faith in the room. Amen? Cornelius is prepared. Cornelius is prayed through. He's, he's cleaned his life out. He's ready. He's anticipating. And the Word of God starts coming forth to Cornelius about Jesus. Amen. About repentance. And while Peter is yet speaking, something happens that really shocks these people. More than the vision, more than the four-footed animals and all that, something really shocks these people. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to his message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were shocked or amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now what's the next word? For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Now Jesus said, don't be astonished, Nick. You're going to hear a sound with everyone. Sure enough, that sound came on the day of Pentecost. Now what made these disciples know that the Gentiles had also received the Holy Spirit? For, because, that's what that means, they were hearing them making that sound. (laughs) The branches were responding to the wind. <laughs> Amen? Now, if the branches make that sound, Peter, we must know that the wind is blowing. <laughs> Amen? And that's a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. Amen? Hallelujah? Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ Then they asked them to stay for a few more days. All right? And then when he's telling the story to the apostles, he said, the angel said, I would go ask for Peter and he will speak to you words by which you and your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. There's no difference. That wasn't a one-time thing. Jesus said, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. You with me so far? So we've got Acts 10, 44 through 48. And Acts eleven fourteen through 17. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, after believing, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who was I that I could stand in God's way? 
Nobody wants to do that. Amen? You with me so far? Okay, here's the last page, and it's only half, and it's all little scriptures, so bear with me, okay? You know the story of when Peter was traveling through the upper region, and he met some believers from Ephesus in Acts 19.5, remember? Something about them made, him, made Peter wonder, I think, I wonder if these people are still in the old dimension. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just something about them. So he says, so, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, have they believed? Yeah, but the car hadn't got them to the gas station yet. Amen. The faith hasn't culminated yet. It's not good enough. The faith is only as good as its ability to get you to the rebirth. Amen. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, how? We have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Bless their hearts. Amen. Amen. And so the next question he says is, well, then what, into what then were you baptized? Because, again, this is kind of like Jesus' question to Nicodemus. Huh? The wind blows where it wishes. To him, he's like, what? The reason you get baptized is to get rid of that computer, that man who takes over the realm of the Spirit. I mean, what, what were you, how were you baptized? Amen. They said, well, into John's baptism. Oh, yeah. Paul, it's not Peter. Paul says, Oh, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people of him who was to come after him. That is Jesus. And upon hearing this, they were immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they had laid their hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and there's that sound again. And they began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. Amen. Amen. See, tongues is not the end of the experience. It's just the proof. It's not an isolated encounter that stands on its own. We don't seek tongues. We seek a kingdom that is not of this world. We seek to get into a realm where God can reign in our lives. And tongues is just the evidence that that He has gotten past this carnal mind. Amen? Now we know that Some people try to tell us that the infilling, the rebirth, and the baptism are all different things. But the Bible shows in all the scriptures I've read, plus in Galatians 3.29, 4.23, and 4.28, He shows us that by calling all of these things the promise, He unites them as one thing. Do you understand? To refer to all of this as the promise. The promise that the writer of Hebrews spoke of. That was the promise of the ages. These all died having not received what? The promise. (laughs) That they should not be made perfect without us. The promise is somehow going to make us perfect. It's going to perfect us. If we walk according to the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Jesus had said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be clothed with power from on high. Amen? And 2 Peter 1.4, I love this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Does that make you think of anything? Maybe John 17.3. Maybe Jeremiah 31, 31. 
Maybe Isaiah 28, 11. Hmm? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the relationship, you could say, with God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these, by this true knowledge and this calling rooted in power, for by these He has granted to us exceedingly great and magnificent promises (laughs) so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Amen. By the promise, we become partakers of God's very nature, His divine nature. The Adamic nature is triumphed over and the nature of God comes inside of us. Are you with me? What time is it? Nine o'clock. We're almost done. Galatians says, we receive the Holy Spirit not by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. Galatians 3.2. Amen. By the hearing of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So to summarize, a new covenant is all about a new kind of knowing, a new kind of relationship that takes it from the external and brings it into our hearts, that changes the very desire of our hearts. Amen? And this knowledge comes with stammering lips in another tongue, Isaiah says. It is the rest. Thank you, Jesus. The rest of the carnal man, the ceasing from our own labors, our own works. Somebody says, I want to be born of the Spirit. Somebody says, I want to have that encounter. I want to ask you a question. Do you want the Spirit merely as an encounter? People say they want the Spirit as if the Spirit is going to take care of their need to obey God. They say, I want the Spirit so bad and I I think I got it, but then I'm not sure because I still do bad things. I still feel lazy. I still feel weak. I still face temptations. The Spirit is not going to take over your life so that you don't have to work anymore. The Spirit is just the power so that you can do the works of God instead of the works of the flesh. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything I've said I want to bring down to this. This is important. If we pursue the experience, that initial rebirth, as if it were its own thing, That is not going to work. That is a delusion. That is making it another blip on the screen. Another check on our list. That has nothing to do with salvation. The question is, have you entered a realm of sensitivity, of revelation, of understanding, of hearing, of feeling, that you never knew before? 
If you can live in that realm, then you are God's. And that realm is going to be where you live in eternity. But if you see this encounter as an isolated thing, then you just need to get to happen so that you don't have to work so hard or so that you can go on with your life. It's meaningless. So what, is this, what part does speaking in tongues play in this whole thing? What, is, what does tongues have to do with it? I think that many people who pray for the Holy Spirit in Pentecostal settings, what they're really praying for is the experience of tongues. Why? So that they can stop praying for it. They feel like they need to get this in order to make it to heaven. But they don't want to live there. They're ashamed to live there. And so guess what? Even if they get the experience, they're going to dry right back up and it's not going to equal salvation. The experience is merely the new precedent that tells you how you can relate with God from here on. Do you understand? It's not like, did I get it all? Did I get enough? That means nothing. Stop thinking it through. Stop analyzing it with your carnal mind. This is about letting go and letting God have you completely. This is the question you should ask yourself. Do I like living in this realm of carnality? Do I feel good and secure like the master of my own fate, the ruler of my own life in this natural realm? But ask yourself, do I want to get to a place where I see people differently, where I hear from God, where I perceive and know the opportunities to lay down my life and I find the power to do that by His grace. Do you want a place where your flesh is weak? Do you want a place where you're vulnerable and exposed? Do you want a place where you're not sure of yourself? Do you want a place where you're going to fumble and stall and, and, and make mistakes because you're a babe in that realm? Do you want that place? Well, then you should seek the Holy Spirit. And when you speak in tongues for the first time, it will tell you the doorway. I remember the first time I spoke in tongues, I had been begging God to be filled with His Spirit. And I knew what it looked like, but I couldn't get there. And when I finally broke through, and I began to speak in other tongues, oh God, you know what first went through my mind? I said to myself, ah! I could have gotten here sooner. Because all it was is I slipped through the portal where flesh got low enough and I got into a place where Jesus was everything. The experience as a standalone event means nothing. Nothing. It just adds to your condemnation and your judgment. But have you died to all the pride all the, the phoniness, the hypocrisy, the images that make you love the carnal realm? And do you truly want to find freedom and life and power and love in a realm that is from heaven? Well, then pray until you be filled with the Spirit, until you speak in an unknown tongue. And then let that be the first day of the rest of your life. Let that be the precedent 
from then on, you know how to get there. You know how to pray until. You know what it feels like to slip behind the curtains and suddenly be in the other world. Amen. Just like in Lewis's Narnia, where they would go into the, the wardrobe and boom, they would be in another world, a bad world, and incidentally. Amen. That's what it's like. Tongues is just the wardrobe. Amen. Where you slip in and you realize, oh God. Amen. I'm no longer watching. I'm no longer analyzing. I'm no longer fearing. I'm just surrendering and participating. Amen. He said, well, can I speak in tongues and not have the Holy Spirit? I suppose you could do anything you want. <laughs> but who would want that? <laughs> Amen. That's not the point. The point is, can you surrender to God? Can you have faith in God and stop doubting your faith? Instead, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs, as my dad says. Amen? Can you, can you get there and say, Jesus, if that be you, command me to come on the water to you. Amen? And step out and say, woo, I feel something right now. And just go with it. Amen. That will be the precedent for the rest of your walk with God and the rest of your salvation, the rest of your eternity. I know in heaven I'm going to feel just like I felt when my chin started shaking and I started feeling the Holy Ghost and I started speaking in that other tongue. I'm going to just feel a whole lot more of that in heaven. That's the precedent for my relationship with God. Amen? That's what praying in the Holy Spirit is all about. Doesn't it make you want to get more and more comfortable in that realm? Doesn't it make you change the way you look at worship, the way you look at praise and vulnerability in, in God? Because that's, that's heavenly places. If we don't get comfortable there, if we don't know how to be free there, then we're still bound in the carnal man, in the carnal mind, in the carnal realm. Amen. How about, is there anybody who would like to pray? Anybody who feels like, I've been there, but it hasn't been what it was supposed to be because of my approach or because I let myself get dried back out, but I want to go there again. Amen. Maybe somebody who's never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you don't know if you've ever been filled. You need to be sure of this. Amen. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I just want to be free. I just want to slip the bonds of this carnal mind and this carnal world. Jesus, Jesus, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Fill me, Holy God. Fill me, Holy God. Fill me. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to... If you want an infilling, I want you to stand up. If you're one of the ones who raised your hands, stand up. Amen. I want you to try to lay aside all striving and all pinched up worry. Amen. All fear and all I got to get this. Forget that. And just love God and let Him love you. And let Him take you to higher and higher realms of victory and joy. Thank Him for His love for you. 
Thank Him that you know Him and His mercy towards you. Amen. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Call up to God. Oh, Jesus, I love you, God. Tell Him you want to be in His realm and His kingdom. I surrender, God. Halamayikah. let it flow. Just let it flow. Amen. Repent. Amen. If anything comes to your mind, anything in you that still loves the old kingdom, repent of that thing and say, God, I've given it up right now. Oh God, I renounce that for you, Jesus. Amen. I'm giving up those things I cannot keep to gain what I cannot lose. Amen. God, I give it up. I give up my pride. I give up my fears. I give up my image. Make me free, make me free, make me free. I love you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just keep going. Just keep praying. Don't think of it as an encounter. Think of it as a new realm. God, I want to get comfortable here. Woo, God, I want to get comfortable here. I want to feel more faith. I want to feel more victory, God. I'm not ashamed of you, Jesus. Fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. to feel the Holy Ghost, when you start to feel God take over and you feel that you could let go and that that dam could burst, that you could give that voice, that your tree branches could respond to that invisible wind. Don't say, oh, God, help me to be careful. Don't say that. Say, oh, God, I love this feeling. Oh, God, if I could just have more of this, Jesus, give me a little more, God. Give me another drop, Jesus. Amen. Just indulge it. Oh, God, yes, I feel this. I love this, God. I love this vulnerability. I love the feeling of surrender, God. Yes, yes, for your name, God, for your sake. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Can I just say something to you real quick? 
Amen. The Holy Ghost is so thick here. It's beautiful. Amen. I want to tell you something. Oftentimes in the New Testament when it tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. That doesn't mean that everyone always prophesied, even though everyone always spoke in tongues. But there is a sense when God's power starts to boil inside of you and it's no longer just pleading and, oh, help me, but you start to feel there is an authority that comes inside of you. It's a power. Amen. And you're not just hanging there, but suddenly it starts to come up from within and you can pray it like it's a prophecy. Amen. You can yield to it because you know the wind is coming from heaven. Amen. Let the Spirit give you the utterance, but go ahead and utter it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let God give you authority. Let God give you power. Amen. Overcoming power. Power that rises up. Amen. Amen. 